welcome back to another episode of Journey of a Fearless Female. I'm your host, Paola Rosser, and today my guest is Anissa. She is a yoga therapist and the founder of Trauma Healing Yoga, a therapy program. She works with women who have been sexually traumatized to help them heal their PTSD and other trauma-related issues using yoga therapy. As a two-time rape survivor, she intimately knows the needs of these women and what they face, and she helps them navigate through their healing journeys. Everybody, please welcome Anissa. Hello. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. Um, I met Anissa through Instagram, as I'm always looking for new guests, and she reached out through DM, and we, I just, she has an incredible fearless female journey, and you guys, this is one you do not want to miss. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for having me on. I'm so excited to be here and to share the little bit that I do know. I'm originally from New York and I am the daughter of a Vietnam vet. My dad had PTSD and I um, grew up in an alcoholic home. And so I was introduced to trauma and PTSD at a very early age. And then at about 18, I had my very first rape incident. It was someone I was dating. Then I had a couple of other instances in my late 20s, early 30s with having my children, actually. I had a a traumatic birth experience with my first son, and I lost my second son's twin. And then finally, about four years ago, I had another rape incident. I kind of had the distinction of knowing trauma pretty intimately. Now, was the second rape someone who forcefully, like a stranger, or was it somebody you knew? Someone I knew. Now, this is something that a lot of women don't understand, and even when we're growing up and we are taught to like protect ourselves and protect our bodies, that most rape cases aren't from random strangers hiding in the alley, correct? You know, every instance is, is individual, and most people know they're attackers, but there are times when you don't. But primarily, people really do know they're attackers. People just don't understand how to say no. And, and how to accept that no. And they don't get reported as much because women tend to think it was their fault. Um, I think women tend to think it's their fault. And I think that they're left questioning, did that really happen? Yeah. Like, was that really just a rape? Was that something that you were questioning? Yes, with my first rape. Absolutely. We were having consensual sex and we had changed position or something. And all of a sudden it was physically hurting me. And I said, hey, we need to stop you know, um, this is hurting me, you know, and he refused to stop. And he was actually enjoying the fact that he was physically hurting me. And so at that point, it turned into a rape. And I was, you know, trying to fight him off with me. And I was yelling and screaming and, you know, doing whatever I needed to do. But, you know, I was on my back at the time. So it's really hard at that point to, you know, fight for yourself. And yeah, that's that's exactly what happened. You were just laying there thinking, did that just happen? Or were you just confused because you were like, I don't understand where it went from consensual to you couldn't stop yourself. And did he just leave or did you guys have a conversation or how did it end where you were just like, what what do I do next? Oh, I said to him, why didn't you stop? I asked you to stop. Mm. I mean, I, I was fighting you off of me. And he's like, oh, I thought you were enjoying it. And I'm like, Dude, <laughs> did you report no, that one? No, I did not report it because, again, I was kind of left questioning. Okay, well, I was engaging in consensual sex. How can I go and say, "Well, this guy raped me"? And you know, there's the, this disconnect. Well, yeah, at first it was consensual until he became a jerk. 
Yeah. And I wonder how many cops would actually believe you because it is most cops would just say, well, you were you said yes in the beginning. Or I wonder what the the standardized like routine is for that. Like, would they believe you because you were consenting in the beginning? And, you know, it's his word against your word. And it's like how much time and and legal fees would you spend? And and I, I feel like he would probably get off and not be actually charged with anything. Yeah, that would be the second time he got off on the same incident. Mm. I did not report the second one either. It was, again, someone that I knew. If I was to have accused them, there would have been a lot of other implications, a lot of other consequences to that, that I was not willing to go into. So I just decided, you know, let me just work through it myself. At that point, I was already a yoga therapist. So I knew what I was dealing with. Now, did you try to do any other methods for healing other than yoga? Well, initially with my first rape, I went and had talk therapy. And, you know, it was about 28 years ago. And I've had several therapists since that time. And I've always talked about it. I've always worked on it a little bit. And I think that what was frustrating to me is that here I am, I'm talking this thing, I'm talking this thing to death. And I'm still not finding the peace that I want. After that first rape, was it hard for you to get into another relationship or even go on a date or even try to have consensual sex? Were you kind of scared and have some sort of trauma of where like you felt it could happen to me again? About a year later, I met my future husband and our intimate life was not exactly what we had hoped it would be. And that's when I kind of decided, ooh, okay. I probably need to get some help. And that's when I actually got into therapy. And it was that situation that really brought it to my attention. Okay, you know, all is not well. (laughs) It's funny how we as females think we could take care of it. Like, I'll just deal with it myself. And then it just drudges up no matter what, no matter how much you try to push it down and try to see that you've taken care of it yourself. It really always sneaks back up. You have to heal whatever wound or whatever trauma, because otherwise it will come out and it will come out to the person that you love, the person that doesn't deserve that sort of like anger and, you know, lashing out because it just always comes out no matter how much you try to push it down. You have to heal. Absolutely. And, you know, it's always going to come out at the worst time of your life, you know, so absolutely, you know, get into whatever type of healing you're going to do, get into it right away because you're going to need it. And you might as well just get through it because life is so much better on the other side. Yeah. So was talk therapy the only thing you tried before yoga? Yes, I tried talk therapy. I did try meds later in life. Along with talk therapy, I was on Zoloft for many, many years. I am on a different drug now and it's probably the best thing since sliced bread. And I'm all about better living through chemistry. I know that my family has a history of mental illness. And so I know that I have a chemical deficiency somehow. And I need this particular chemical to function at my, you know, optimal rate, if you will. So, well, it's good that you do that. I mean, there's some women out there that refuse to take medicine and yet it just destroys them. Their pain, their anger, their suffering just destroys them. Why not find that solution that will help you, like you said, live at your optimal level? What's really neat is that there is a test that you can take that will tell you the best mental health drug to take for your DNA. It's called GeneSight, G-E-N-E-S-I-G-H-T. Ooh, is that something you could just ask at the doctors or you have to go through your therapist or? 
either your therapist or your GP. I actually took the test myself and I got this this really interesting feedback. And so because of that, I realized the way they categorize your drugs, it's, you know, best drugs for you. And then there's like a middle column and it's like, you know, these are okay, but they may not really work for you. And then there's the column that's like, do not take. (laughs) And for me, Zoloft was in that middle column. Oh. And so when I switched over to this new drug, uh, what a world of difference. Yeah. Well, that's good that you could take a test so that you can find out what exactly you need rather than um, just like playing, I guess, Russian roulette by taking this one and figuring out that it doesn't work, taking that one, causing more depression, taking this one, causing appetite suppression, you know? Right. You have, like that's a really good test. So ladies, if you're listening to this podcast and you think you're deficient in any kind of like serotonin or you're feeling sad or there's something that you need, you know, ask your therapist, what about gene sight? What I found from therapists is that they want to try two drugs on you before they offer you the test. Oh, really? Yes. And I, I was like, why? That makes no sense. We have this amazing technology. Like it takes the guesswork out, you know? And when you try a drug, they want you to be on it for six to eight weeks before they wean you off and try another drug. Yeah. And in six to eight weeks, so many things can happen to you. Exactly. It makes no sense to me. The test is about $150 out of pocket. Most insurance plans will cover it. That's good. And so I highly recommend everybody look into that because it, it what a what a game changer. Yeah, absolutely. And you don't spend six to eight weeks possibly putting yourself in a different psychosis. Exactly. Exactly. So I highly recommend that. And so I'm on this wonderful drug now. I totally love it. And so I, I also have a therapist right now. He is a male. This is the first male therapist I've ever had. Really? Yeah. And you felt comfortable being around a male and telling them what happened to you? I didn't know how I was going to feel. But I said, you know, I've always had a woman. And this man comes very highly recommended. He actually specializes in sexual trauma. So I'm sure that whatever I tell him, he hasn't heard, but you know, it's not like he hasn't heard it before and I'll try it. And if it doesn't work, it's okay. I can just go find another therapist. I tell people that all the time. You have to try a therapist. You don't have to stay and it doesn't hurt their feelings. Like they're there for your healing, not theirs. (laughs) And quite frankly, you're paying them. Are you getting your, are you getting your money's worth? And so, you know, you're interviewing them as much as they're asking questions of you. So I tried it. And quite frankly, I have done the most progress with him than I've ever done before. Ooh, yeah, that's good. It's because it's like when you find your perfect therapist that like speaks your language. And what I mean by speaks your language is I had a therapist who used to like, like yell at me and like tell me things and she was really rough. And, you know, I grew up with an abusive mom that didn't help me, you know, that didn't help me to open up even more. And then I found, you know, three or four therapists later, I found my therapist now and she's very soft spoken and she's very, she allows me to speak. Um, She never like yells at me. She actually helps me question, guides me through it. And I'm like, oh, I love her, you know, and I feel more open to talking to her. So it's, it really does make a difference when you find the perfect therapist. Yes. And if you've been with a therapist for a while and all of a sudden you feel like you've kind of plateaued, it's okay to find another new therapist. It's not that you don't like this one, but maybe where you are in your healing journey, you need somebody new or you need something different. And that's okay too. I love that. I love that you said that. 
So when did you start doing yoga? And did you go towards yoga because of a suggestion that it was going to heal you or? No, I absolutely fell into this totally by accident. Mm-hmm. I did. I wanted to do yoga on my own. I didn't want to go to somebody's class because I didn't want to be on anybody else's schedule. Yeah. <laughs> I know. That's what I hate about classes that you have to run to their class and be there on time. <laughs> right. And, but I knew I, I needed to keep myself safe. I knew I didn't know enough about yoga to keep myself safe. So I took an initial class and what I real I had no aspirations of ever teaching. It was just for me, my little thing. And about, I don't know, by the time the class ended, I realized for me, yoga was this really special gift and that I wasn't going to be teaching it. I wanted to share it. And when I reframed it that way, I was like, hmm, interesting. And then within a month, I had two job opportunities. Really? Within a month? So it took you a month to get your yoga certificate? No, I just took one weekend class, but that gave me enough to be dangerous enough to teach. (laughs) (laughs) And so I started teaching and then I I had also gotten the bug to take classes. So I just, you know, started taking more classes. And one of the classes series that this company was offering was called the Warrior Series. And it's based on PTSD for military folks. And my husband was active duty. We actually live right outside of Fort Riley, Kansas. Um, an army installation. And I'm like, gosh, we live in the belly of the beast. We have men and women coming back and forth from deployments all the time. We know a ton of military folk. It would be really good for me to know this information. And I got about halfway through the first day of the first class. And I said, "Uh oh, the first person I really need to work on is me. I realized that PTSD had really crawled into the nooks and crannies of my life and was holding me back from living the life that I really wanted to live and giving me the confidence and the self-worth that I I wanted. I feel like people don't understand that trauma and PTSD, like I think you said it to me in our pre-interview that it's at your cellular level. It really does get into every nooks and crannies of our cells, like, and no matter what it like can really debilitate us physically to the point where there is no like, prescription or doctor's note that they can evaluate what's really going on because it's it's just trauma that needs to be healed. Yes, actually the body does store trauma on a cellular level. And so that's why it, and one of the other things that happens is that the brain disconnects from the body. And so that's why talk therapy and meds are good because that helps to create this this conversation between the, the brain and the body again. Um, but the yoga really establishes that. Not only can we reverse some of the effects, physical effects that trauma and PTSD have on the body. But we're also able to then really connect the brain and the body. Yeah. Now, is there a difference between like regular yoga and yoga therapy? Because I've been to regular yoga, I've been to hot yoga and, you know, Bikram yoga and and just regular core yoga. I never really had like a experience where I felt like I was healing my body. I just felt like I'm in awkward positions. I'm sweating to death. (laughs) (laughs) How long do I have to stay in this pose? Like who in God's green earth wants to stand like this? Like (laughs) my mind is going so many miles an hour that I can't even get into the zone, I guess. Well, it's really fascinating. So if we look at yoga as a big pie, we have 
two different areas. We have the fitness-based and then we have the therapeutic. So fitness-based sounds a lot like what you've experienced, your hot yoga, your Bikram, your yin, aerial yoga, co-ed naked yoga. I mean, all what? of that is over there. <laughs> you can, you can oh do that gosh, in New York. I will stay far away from that. <laughs> <laughs> can't imagine being in down dog and you happen to look up and what no. do you see in front of you, oh, you know? Nightmare oh. is what I would see. Yeah. So, <laughs> so then the other side being therapeutic and yoga therapy, it is not you know, new at all. This has been around for a very long time. And there's yoga specialties. So for instance, you wouldn't go to a dentist to get braces put on, you would need to go to an orthodontist. Okay. And so just like that, you would see a a specialist for yoga therapy. So if you have arthritis, there are yoga therapists for arthritis, there is cancer rehab, there is cardiac rehab, Parkinson's, MS, you name it. And of course, PTSD and trauma. Wow, I didn't even know that. You're really opening up my eyes because I really thought there was only like two kinds of yoga. (laughs) Like to know that you can use yoga as a healing factor for all different types of healing, not just PTSD is awesome. So how would somebody who is looking for a certain type of yoga find this? Is there a yoga online? Is it like classes that you go to? And for example, when I go, it's like a lot of people. So how am I going to find healing? I'm so uncomfortable in all these different positions to think about my healing process. Is it more one-on-one or? Well, it really depends on the specialty that you need, obviously. Mm -hmm. For my classes, my classes are very small, no more than 10 people. And do you run them at your house or do you have a studio? Well, I used to have a studio. I actually closed it down because I'm now doing everything online. Ooh, I love that. And I, I'm doing that because I live in a town now. I live in Manhattan, Kansas. The cattle, the livestock actually outnumber the people. <laughs> so you're not going out there and teaching the cows? <laughs> no, they, they do not appreciate it. You know, I tried, but I didn't get much of an audience. Yeah, And so... And we're able to, you know, be able to reach more women mm-hmm. and really bring this kind of healing modality to them. And also too, I'm creating a membership that's going to be available here in the next few weeks. And it's going to have recorded classes. So at 3 a.m. when you can't sleep and your mind is racing, you can plug into a class. Oh, I love that. There will also be, you know, live classes and yoga nidras, which I mean, yoga nidra is so yummy if you've not experienced it. What exactly is that? Yoga nidra is kind of like a guided meditation. If you look at levels, you have meditation and then you have sleep. And in between that is something called yoga nidra. So we take you down to another level right above sleep. And you can do a lot of healing in this particular place. And what happens is you do a little bit of movement, you kind of get the body warmed up a little bit, and then you would go into final relaxation and you would listen to someone. Actually, it's like a script that we read to you. And oh, it's so yummy. I love to try new things. I really do. And I, you know, my husband just recently bought this app called New Calm. Mm-hmm. And he swears by it. You put a sticker like near your wrist, which is supposed to like slow down your adrenals. And he listens to it and it puts him in like a very like meditative state. And it's like just music. It's, it's like weird, not weird, but like, I don't even know how to describe the music. It just it, it just helps your brain to slow down and to stop thinking about all the things. So this is like right up my alley. I want to try this. <laughs> well, we can do that. It, it is. It's incredibly yummy. And there'll be recorded yoga nidras 
also in the membership that people can you know tap into. I listen to um, Yoga Nidras almost every night to go to sleep. But getting back to your question, there is an organization, and actually I'm certified through them. It's the International Association of Yoga Therapists. And you can go to their website, and if you are looking for a yoga therapist for arthritis or for whatever specialty you need, they are there listed. What I really like is that your classes are going to be online. I like that you said, like, if you can't sleep at 3 a.m., because that's normally the time that you start getting the anxiety, the stress, the panic. It's always at some random time. It's not like, oh, it's at 1 p.m. at this yoga class. Like, you know what I mean? To me, knowing that I can just get online, do one of your meditative yoga classes, it would help me to go back to sleep and clear my mind. Healing has to be on your schedule. And, you know, the thing about talk therapy and what have you is that, again, it's on somebody else's schedule. And they're not necessarily available when you're in the middle of, you know, maybe a panic attack or, you know, incredible anxiety or depression or whatever. This is healing on your schedule. Yes. I hate that because I'll have an appointment and then I'm driving there and I'm like, I have nothing to talk to her about. (laughs) And then when I'm like at five, six, seven in the morning, when I'm having like my own panic attack, I'm like, why can't I just talk to her right now? You know? Exactly. And so this gives you an opportunity to really take your healing into your own hands and and do it on your schedule. And you said this is going to launch when? In the next couple of weeks. Yes. (laughs) That's awesome. So how long does it take to actually see results? Like, you know, how long? I mean, there are some people that want immediate results. So what would your recommendation be for somebody who is trying to heal their inner child or heal past trauma or PTSD? Like, how long would you recommend for them to continue to take these classes in order to find that perfect healing? So your trauma... And your healing is as individual as your thumbprint. Every situation is different. There are folks that I've worked with for three months, and they're like, you know what? I'm good. There are folks that I've worked with for three to five years, and they're still with me. And so there is no timetable on healing. This is a marathon. This is, and it's a lifelong marathon. This is not a sprint. There is no silver bullet. I like that you said that because I feel like a lot of people think like, oh, I'm healed and you think it's never going to come up again. And then they shame themselves because it does instead of just realizing that it will always be a healing journey. And I don't think, especially if someone has really deep traumatic PTSD, like it's going to be a journey. It is. And I was triggered last January over my first rape. And I hadn't been triggered in a very long time. You know, I was, I I couldn't believe it was happening. I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, where is this coming from? You know, it's been 28 years. And then I kind of put my clinician hat back on. And I'm like, okay, why is this happening? And what I realized is the education that I had really came in really handy at that moment, because I was like, oh, I know how the brain processes memories. And so now I know why this happened. And I was able to go to my therapist and I was so excited because I was like, I, I have a breadcrumb. This is like a breadcrumb. I said, I, we ha- I, I want to do EMDR around this. Ooh, EMDR. I still haven't tried that yet. Oh, it's yummy. And so... I've heard nothing but good things about EMDR. Yes. EMDR is wonderful, but understand... Even if you do EMDR, and, and I did the, you know, the EMDR around this particular trigger, and I so much peace, 
so much more peace than I've ever felt regarding my rape, my first rape. I looked at him and I said, but I could still be triggered in the future, couldn't I? And he said, yeah, you know how the brain processes memories. You know, you know how this is. He's like, it probably won't be quite as cute, but yes, you can be triggered again in the future over it. And what happens when you do? You bring it back, we unpackage it, we do EMDR, and you get further along in your healing journey. I had a guest, a therapist actually, her name is April, and she was on a past episode and she does EMDR. And I love the way she explained the way we um, store our memories, our like subconscious is like a filing cabinet. And she said, if the file isn't placed back, then the filing cabinet can't close. And that's the reason why we have to do EMDR so we can straighten up the file, which it holds that memory or that trigger, and then close it and really just put it away. Um, I love the way because you can visually see that as like trauma or pain or, you know, just something that happened to you in your past. And I've recently finished my emotion code practitioner and I had read the book, The Emotion Code, and he talks about the same thing. It's like we as human beings, our subconscious is our computer and everything that we've been through, all the pain, all the hurt, all the sadness, all the trauma is stored in our subconscious. And then it comes out in different triggers. Like you said, it was 28 years later and something triggered it and you don't know what or why or how, or especially if you've done all this work and the fact that you were good enough to put your clinician, you know, but a lot of people don't have that clinician hat, you know, so they just spiral and then they shame themselves and they feel bad because they're like, I did all this work and I still feel like this. And, you know, or you're around people who point that out. Like, for example, me, my family loves to point out to me like, well, you're still the same person. No, I'm a woman that's continuously healing. Like they don't understand that it is a journey and you will never be the person you were before because you're always evolving. Exactly. You will never be the same. And and that's okay. That is okay. For me, I knew exactly what triggered me. I was actually teaching a class and I taught at a Taekwondo studio. And there was a class going on, a Taekwondo class going on in the next room. And this instructor had learned a new technique and he was teaching his students this. And he was smacking two like things together and then yelling at them and smacking two things. And it would whap and he would yell something, whap, and he would yell something. And for whatever reason, it triggered in my memory when I was being raped, he would thrust himself into me. I would hear the, the smack of his body against mine. And then he would, he was above me. So he was yelling down at me, whap, and the yell, whap, and the yell. You know, I ran out, I asked the receptionist if she could ask the, the teacher to, you know, kind of keep the noise level down. And he noticed me and he said, oh, I, I forgot there's yoga tonight. I'll be quiet. And I had to go back in and teach this class. And I was able to kind of put it aside. I taught my class. And then afterwards, I just kind of sat there for like 20 minutes. And I was like, okay, what just happened? And I I like the filing cabinet metaphor. Um, The way I kind of look at it is that a memory is your brain pulls it apart. And so the sight goes to one place. The hearing goes to another place. And they're all stored in different areas. And when you recall a memory, all of those different pieces come back together. Ooh, I like that. Because it's different sensories, the smell. Sometimes if you smell someone's cologne 
or, you know, or you taste something that you remember. It's, it is, that's how memories are saved. You remember, oh, I remember I had this ice cream when I was a little kid, you know, that's a good way of describing it too. Well, when you've had trauma, unfortunately, a lot of those neural pathways get scrambled and the full memory cannot be brought back together. The brain doesn't like an unfinished memory. And so it'll actually put in information for you. And that's what creates wrong memories. So that's why EMDR is so very important because EMDR can actually pull back the layers and figure out what did your brain put in for you and what actually really happened. So, you know, I mean, that's the beauty of that. Gosh, I feel like I'm talking about all about EMDR today. No, No, it all correlates. (laughs) It really does. And, And the bottom line is, you know, maybe yoga isn't for you, but maybe Taekwondo is what you need to release that trauma from your body. You have to move in a certain way. You really do. And maybe it's hiking. Maybe it's bicycling. I mean, Just find what works for you. Yeah. I love that you said that because you're not sitting here like yoga is the only way. This is the only way you're going to heal yourself. I love that you're open to new and flexible about methods because it is. It's different for every person. I had another guest, Brooke, and she tried everything. She had this trauma. She was actually in Las Vegas during the Mandalay shooting And she couldn't figure out why every time she went to the grocery store, all the bells and whistles were, were like, you know, freaking her out. And so finally her therapist was like, because it sounds like a Las Vegas casino. And then it was just like, it all connected for her. And she says, you know, I tried everything and nothing was working for me until she met somebody who did breath work. And she's like, breath work was my savior. It was like what helped me to get away from, you know, the agoraphobia. She was starting to develop agoraphobia to the point where she wasn't leaving her house because any noise was triggering her. And it is, it's like you have to continue to seek what's going to help you really heal. And I love that you said it could be yoga. It could be Taekwondo. It could be EMDR. It could be breath work. I mean, there's so many different methods, meditation, like, you just have to find what works for you. And there is something out there that would work for you. Absolutely. And, you know, just because you try something, you know, let's say you try yoga and you're like, eh, that didn't really work for me. Try it again in six months. Try it again in 12 months, 18 months, 24 months, because you're a different person and you're in a different place in your healing journey. And maybe then it'll work for you. Don't write it off. I know. Don't write it off, ladies. Try and try again because you never know. You might like it. I'm going to go back to yoga now after having this episode because seriously, I'm maybe I was taking the wrong class. <laughs> and you know, a lot of times it's the instructor. And that's why I tell people, take classes with me like five or six times. Yeah. And then at that point, decide. And if I'm not right for you, that's totally cool. Mm-hmm. You know, But find maybe another instructor that is. I want people to heal. It's not about filling my pocket, you know, with money. Healing is the key here. So what would you say is your nugget of wisdom for women who have past trauma and they're looking to yoga as their healing mythology? Well, one, you absolutely want to get someone who is a specialist in what you need. That is paramount. A lot of folks who have gone through surgery, cancer, had a cardiac episode or whatever, sometimes those scenarios can create PTSD. And if you're, you know, wanting to go through maybe cardiac rehab, yoga, ask your instructor, 
do you also help me with my PTSD around this? Because you really have two separate needs at that point. You know, you want to do things for your heart, and then you also want to deal with the PTSD surrounding it. So, you know, keep that in mind. I think education is key. Knowing really what happens in the body at the time of the traumatic experience and how to, you know, what, what symptoms your body is showing afterwards, and then how to counteract that and how to reset your central nervous system. So it's all about education. And that's one of the, my keystone things is education. Yeah, I love that. That's a really good nugget of wisdom because a lot of people just, you know, they don't really do the research. It's like, get out there, do the research. In this day and age when, you know, knowledge is literally at the palm of our hands, like research, find the different methods that will help you find out what other people have done and look for the specialty of the healing that you need because everyone has different trauma. Absolutely. And what I think that we do is we get this diagnosis, you know, we have PTSD and we look at all the symptoms and we want to work on the symptoms. Well, there is something that happened in your body before the symptoms arrived. And we were unable to reset our central nervous system. And that's really truly what what PTSD is. And so you have to go beyond the symptoms. You have to go to that catalyst. And I would recommend if anybody's looking for a book to read, there is a book called The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. It is an amazing book. And it was really easy to read because he uses a lot of case studies. And for me, that was interesting. And it wasn't very clinical, but you really understand what's going on in your body. Well, thank you so much, Anissa. You cleared up so many things for those of you who are looking for yoga as therapy. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Journey of a Fearless Female. I'm your host, Paola Rosser. You can find me on Facebook, The Fearless Female Movement. You can find the podcast on Instagram at Fearless Female Podcast. And you can find my personal Instagram at Paola Rosser. Anissa, how can they find you and your new classes? If you go to my website, traumahealingyoga.com, all of that information is going to be there. Mm -hmm. I will be offering, very soon I'll be offering free 30-minute sessions with me where we can talk about your needs, see if maybe the membership is a good fit or not, but really talk about what your needs are and hopefully get you, you know, some sort of healing right out the bat. But yeah, traumahealingyoga.com, you can find me on all over Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I'm like a bad penny. I just kind of keep showing up. (laughs) But uh, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it and I love chatting with you. All right. Thank you so much. All right, ladies. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.